Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Hi and welcome to this week's Realty Talk show, your trusted voice for all things property. I'm Bushy Martin from Nihau Property Finance and we've got some more great property gold to share with you today. To kick things off, we take a look at what's driving property growth, what regions will continue to outperform and what changes are likely to impact property markets moving forward. And to do this, we have a chat with Arjun Paliwal, an Investigate Buyers Agent, who joins us to reveal his projections. Are you experiencing significant challenges or concerns trying to purchase properties in the state? Well, to discuss how you can overcome them, Katie Richards, the CEO of award-winning law firm Virtual Legal, reveals her secrets. How property fit are you? Just like we approach our personal fitness, there's a proven process to getting your property investments into shape to achieve peak performance by adopting alternative investment strategies. And Luke Harris of The Property Mentors opens your eyes to some of these opportunities. And to conclude the show, after massive growth last year, we take a look at what the future of commercial property looks like. To put some balance back into the commercial property discussion on what's likely to happen this year, we're joined by commercial buyer's agent, Scott O'Neill of Rethink Investing. We've got a lot of insights to share, so let's get on with the show. Greetings and welcome. Well, it's fair to say that you'd have to be blind Freddy not to appreciate that Australia is in the midst of a once-in-a-generation national property boom, with the combined capitals growing at an average of 19.5% over the last year. And even more impressively, combined regional areas are leading the charge with an average of 23.1% in the last 12 months, according to the latest CoreLogic figures, which compares with a long-term average of about 6.8% growth a year. So what's driving this incredible growth? What regions will continue to outperform? what changes are likely to impact property markets moving forward? To discuss this, I'm joined by Arjun Paliwal, a successful property investor in his own right and founder and head of research of data-driven buyers agency, Investikit, as well as market research innovator, The Property Nerds. Welcome back to Realty Talk, Arjun. Great to be on once again, my friend. Always, mate. Uh, you've got such a good spread as a personal investor and the, the fantastic research work that you do. So as a buyers agent, uh, we know that you work with a quite diverse array of clients. What has the buying activity and sentiment been amongst investors over the last 12 months? I feel that there has been the sense of FOMO in terms of missing out and seeing everything move so quickly. Uh, when I think of you know something that's quite unique to this property boom has been properties that we would look online or offline for clients and typically pass on knowing that they would take longer to sell for reasons like flood, bushfire, main roads, too close to industrial precincts or other things that can lag days on markets, particularly when selling in, I guess, opposite times like this, we found that they were still rapidly selling. Uh, so it's clear that a lot of people are making decisions that typically they wouldn't make had the times not been like they are. And so I guess looking at that, I, I can understand why the clients that we're working with start to look at it and go, hey, um, I really just want to buy something tomorrow or next week because they're seeing even those types of properties go. So I think th this time is very unique to where 
we need to stay on course and, and focus on what can happen in terms of the positives of a property boom, but not lose sight that it's not the next two or three years only that make up your life of investing. It's the decades ahead of that. Yeah, very good call. So what are some of the regions that you're seeing with huge potential when you've been assisting clients to purchase in? Yeah, so I guess what, what makes it very difficult right now is the last data we run that we did ending ending September had seen uh, 96 or 97% of markets still positive trending. Um, so this is very, very unique. But when it comes to regions, um, I love to classify them across various categories. And I can give you a couple of examples in each of them. So I, I love to have a category called early adopter markets. They're markets where we've seen no huge 10-year movements, but the last 12 months bring upon movements and pressure indicators and local economic activity that suggests that the one-year data is better than the three, the five, the seven, and the 10. Um, perhaps a new cycle. So this is kind of why we call it our early adopter markets. Yep. They carry pros such as earlier entry, greater rental yields, and sales agents are stuck in the, I need to sell fast mode, not I need to sell as best as I can mode just yet. Um, poor vendors for some of them, but in the case of our case being buyers, we, we get to swoop in quite early. Markets like Wagga, Toowoomba, Bundaberg, Harvey Bay are examples where they haven't had the absolute best last 10 years, but they come into some pretty solid numbers over the last 12, eight, you know, six months. Um, other markets I like to categorize are what I call hotspots. Uh, hotspots sound really fun, but they have pros and cons as well. Um, again, they haven't had perhaps the best of 10 years, uh, which then make them even better from what could be ahead. But I guess the cons of the entry point for hotspots, Bushy, is that they are hotspots because they give us confidence they've been having good performance for longer than that one year. Typically, they're moving one, two, maybe even three years. Places like Adelaide, places like Brisbane are examples where they've been running quite strong now for a year to two. So there's no doubt on their running strong and hence why you miss out a little bit on the way in, but you feel a high sense of confidence. And there's some markets. The final piece of the markets, the third category, is what I call my second wind markets. They're markets that are proven over the last 10 years. But again, we don't judge the last 10 years as what's ahead. Um, they're markets that seem to have some structural shifts that lead us to believe that they are going for another run or have been in another run where we should one, not only assume their growth ahead, but also uh, ignore at times the last 10 years because it's not the same conditions that they're fighting um, versus what they were the 10 years ago. Uh, Central Coast comes under these categories, Coffs Harbour, Port Macquarie, uh, the Mornington Peninsula. These mar markets have had phenomenal 10 years. They've been attached to their major cities or their own economies but they're separating themselves due to another structural change. So a lot of movements, a lot of strength, but with categorization, investors can better see how it fits their portfolio. Yeah, I love that classification. And it, it puts it in context in terms of the timeline and the various uh, passions and needs and desires that investors might be looking for and, and you know, overlay that against their own risk appetite. So I uh, love the way you're looking at that. Now, on the, on the demand side, uh, of course, we've... Uh, just uh, seen APRA step in and the major banks' lending policies are actually set to change from November, particularly in relation to uh, lifting the bank servicing rate from 25 to 3%. So have you seen any changes in buying activity amongst investors or as a property in investor yourself as a consequence of this? I have seen a bit of a dash for those who have a, a little fear that comes with some changes, thinking that 
It may not be the first change, it might be one of many, um, or it may impact their personal circumstances a little bit more than the generic view of the policy. So my generic view of the recent APRA announcements is that there should not be a large change. There may be some slowdown because credit always feeds the uh, pipeline of housing performance. But in saying that, the fact that many investors um, are dashing towards it, they have to be mindful of, you know, not rushing the asset that they pick up for the sake of it. Uh, also, they tend to be investors who aren't quite as widespread to thinking of just outside their backyard. Uh, because if you can't do 650 and you could do 700, uh, there might be 600 and 500 options that are plentiful outside of the, the city they're looking in. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm seeing at the moment. But um, having a look at going back to you know, the last time a, a, a round of APRA changes came through, it's important to note that not all our markets reacted the same. And this is the key to those who are borderless investing. You're likely to still find some gems that aren't going to feel the same way as another market would that's more sensitive to it. Yeah, very good call. And, and the the other exercise to widen the scope of opportunity is not just to focus on the, the big four banks, because uh, they are the ones that have been directly affected by APRA at this stage. There's, there's 40 at least other second tier uh, lenders and, and banks out there that don't come under the same jurisdiction. So uh, there's still plenty of opportunity to optimise your borrowing capacity and give you the horsepower to still be able to secure really good property. So uh, some, some really good insights there. So uh, thanks for these very data-driven insights again, Arjun, and thanks for your generous time on the show today. Appreciate it, Bush. Thanks, Arjun. Well, it's clear that if you really want to beat the pack and give yourself the best chance of securing the right property in the right location at the right price, or in fact, to be able to secure any property at all in this current market boom, you need to give yourself an edge by engaging a research-driven buyer's agency with a national reach. So feel free to reach out to Arjun and the investor team, see how they can help you, and make sure you grab yourself a copy of their latest market report, which you can get at investorkit.com.au. Stay with us for more here on Realty Talk. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Greetings and welcome. Now, on the current residential property feeding frenzy that's in golf markets around the country, with the annual growth rate now tracking at the fastest pace since 1989, many buyers are experiencing very significant challenges when they're purchasing properties in a state. So to discuss how to overcome them, we're joined by the CEO of award-winning fixed-fee online law firm, Virtual Legal, Katie Richards. Welcome back to the show, Katie. Good to see you again, Bushy. Absolutely, Katie. Now, Katie, uh, there certainly are some challenges happening both for interstaters, but also those that are time poor that are uh, having real obstacles trying to get things happening in the property sphere at the moment. So yeah. what are the challenges that uh, these buyers are experiencing in our current challenging COVID times? 
Bushy, I would say it really comes down to um, timing of making offers, getting contracts signed. That seems to be the biggest issue because the part of the property market is so hot that by the time someone makes a decision to do something and then get starts getting organised, they've missed the opportunity. It's gone. Um, and so we're sort of in particular detail, we're seeing um, people that are taking too long to put an offer in or when they're going to put their offer in, they're having too many conditions around the offer. They, they're taking too long to go and get their independent person to help them with this or help them with that and, and they don't have their team all in place ready to go knowing they're about to go and make an offer on a property um, and so they're and even when it comes to the contract they're taking too long to get contracts signed um, sometimes it can take a couple of days whereas you do that now someone else will have another offer in front of that seller and it'll be signed and it could be well a much better offer than yours and you're out of the market again so we're seeing a lot of that um, and also um, that they, a lot of them don't have experience or an understanding of the current market. And so without that understanding, they could be signing off on things just to get the property and then not being able to fulfill those obligations, whether that be finance, whether you know that, that property could be in, a, in the middle of a, a flood zone. And they're stuck with that because there's nothing in the Queensland contract that allows you to get out just because it's in a flood zone. So um, it's, it's a lot of issues like that where they're inexperienced and they can't move fast enough. Yeah, and that's a very good call. So uh, how can they overcome these challenges then, Katie? Um, I think probably two key things really is uh, number one, making sure that they have um, a very organised and um, a team around them and a team that actually understands not just the property market, but specifically the property market in the state they're purchasing in. So um, we do a lot of property here in Queensland. That's where we are actually based, even though we operate all over Australia. So um, we'll take Queensland, for example. Um, what we're seeing a lot of here is that um, they're getting people that have a really good understanding of the market first. They understand how the contracts work. They understand the conveyancing process. They've got all the right pieces of the puzzle around. They've got their lawyers and their finance people and all those kind of things ready well before they even start looking at property. Um, and then they have also a power of attorney in place. So in a situation where they're going to need to sign something quickly, whether that could be the contract, that could be loan documents, it could be anything to do with that property, you can actually have an, a general power of attorney, which is called a Form 1 in Queensland, and that would permit that person that you're getting to act on your behalf to, you could give them a quick call, say, yes, please go ahead and sign this for me, and then done. It's straight away, you get that done. Um, so you could then go back into your meeting at work and not miss out on the property or not you know miss out on the finance date or whatever it is to keep that transaction moving yeah very good point it's uh, and power of attorney is a bit of a uh, a hidden secret there i think in that capacity katie uh, and I, I, you know a real live example we've just had some clients that are currently in canberra uh looking to uh, purchase a property in queensland and of course uh, canberra's been in lockdown so when it's come to getting the uh, finance documents signed in front of a JP uh, or other uh, appropriate person, they haven't been able to do it. So yeah. it's created a real challenge and that's, that's got flow on effects in terms of settlement and all the rest of it. So uh, given you know, that real opportunity there to use a power of attorney to uh, open that door, how and where do buyers need to go to set up a good power of attorney, Katie? 
Yeah, look, they can actually find it online if they like, um, although they'd want to make sure they're actually completing it correctly um, because it does need to be lodged with the land titles here in Queensland and they're quite particular with how they do things. So um, there is, um, Law and Earth has a, a power of attorney form on there and it has a guide that explains exactly what to do, how to do it, how to witness it. Uh, what you have to be really specific about when it comes to property transactions in particular under the Land Titles Act in Queensland. You have to make sure that um, the witness for the general power of attorney is either a justice of the peace, a commissioner of declarations, a notary public or a lawyer. That's really important. That's not generally the case for general powers of attorney, only if they're dealing with land. And here in this situation will be land, even the property mortgage documents still linking to land. Now that document then gets linked to a form 16. That is like the registration form that goes on top with the information and it gets lodged on land titles. So when they would do a title search, you'll also see this document so that it's on the register that there is an actual power for this other person to sign on behalf in relation to that specific lot. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a, a real opportunity that very few uh, purchases in my own experience of taking advantage of. So I would really appreciate you sharing those innovative insights again, Katie, and thanks yeah. again for your time on the show today. You're welcome. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks, Katie. Well, as you can see, if you're an interstate buyer or time poor and, and pressured uh, not to have the availability to get things done, or someone that COVID lockdowns and restrictions are making it hard for you to secure and settle on property, make sure you set up a power of attorney so that everything can be done for you by an agent on the ground. And if you want to know more about it or actually get a power of attorney set up, reach out to the team at Virtual Legal who can do it all for you online, anywhere, anytime. Stay tuned for more here on Realty Talk. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Hi and welcome. Now, the property market's enjoying a once-in-a-30-year boom. And for investors, there's never been a better time to supercharge your portfolio. But just like we approach our personal fitness, there's a proven process to getting your property investments into shape to achieve peak performance by adopting alternative investment strategies. So to discuss this, we're joined by Luke Harris, author of his recently released second book, Property Fit, and he's also CEO of The Property Mentors. So welcome to Realty Talk, Luke. Thanks, Pushy. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, really uh, looking forward to digging into this, mate, and uh, love, love your new book, uh, having had a chance to dig into it. It's actually on the bookshelf behind me, you can see there in the, the pink, pink slash. But uh, Luke, um, to kick things off, uh, people often think that the only way to make money in property is to actually go and buy one. But is this actually true? Uh, well, it is, it is to a certain extent, but there are other ways to invest in property that don't involve actually buying one. A lot of individual investors are probably not aware of the other things that are available to them. Okay. So uh, what are some of the ways that property investors can invest in property from your perspective? 
Yeah, look, I think there, there are different ways of investing and, and obviously there's different types of uh, property trusts that are out there. Uh, there's uh, development lending, there's private peer-to-peer -peer lending, there's other uh, property-based investment strategies. And uh, I've been across these for quite some time now and uh, I found out many years ago that surprise, surprise, developers lend money to each other. If you've got a development project that's just finished up, sometimes a developer will have lots of money. Uh, they know other developers and they, they loan money to each other. It happens all day, every day. Uh, individual investors will loan money to each other. Companies loan money to each other. So I guess a lot of people assume that uh, the only way to borrow is to go to a bank. There's also a, a huge uh, shift in, in lending these days in peer-to-peer -peer lending becoming more and more popular. Yeah, it's certainly opening up the gambit. Uh, and I think there's a lot more of that activity starting to happen uh, than ever as a result of the fact that, you know, normal bank lending can be quite restrictive as a consequence of that. So, uh, no, that's really interesting, mate. But uh, a big part of the exercise that revolves around that is the element of risk. And it's often an area that gets underestimated. So can you talk to us about your view of the importance of risk management? I think risk, risk management, I'm a, I'm a very conservative investor. I, I don't take huge risks with my investing because I want it to work long term. And uh, I do take the, uh, the approach of investing rather than gambling. Uh, and there's definitely uh, two different pathways that an investor or a potential investor can take. And these, these types of strategies, there's uh, different ways of investing in a property trust. You can have a listed property trust, which is on the, on the stock exchange. You can go through your financial planner and discuss these things. Or uh, there's, there's private trusts. And I'm a part of a, a number of different property trusts that are run privately. They're not advertised anywhere. And people can get involved with much smaller amounts of money. You don't need millions of dollars. You can start with fifty to $100,000, get involved in a property trust, and essentially the trust will go out there and buy a bunch of properties. Um, and those, those types of things are out there. Most individual investors just don't know where to find them. So I guess the, the key thing when it comes to risk is understanding how it fits in with your overall strategy. Again, going back to the property fit side of things, making sure that it fits your goals and, and plans long-term, but also fits your risk profile and that you understand what type of investment it is, how it's run, what the risks are, what can go right, what can go wrong, and also who's actually running that investment. Uh, the same way if you're going to loan money to another investor, uh, Bush, if you're going to loan me some money to do a development, for example, you'd want to know my history and my background, my experience. You go through all of those checks and balances. So it comes down to... Uh, understanding the risk, but also how it fits your risk profile in that a lot of individual investors may never, never have heard of other ways to invest in property other than buying one, purely because they don't need to do that. Uh, for some people, they just need to buy a property, build their portfolio. Other investors want to get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more sophisticated and want to try different things. Yeah, so in terms of, because uh, most people won't be able to assess the risk because they just don't have the knowledge or expertise to do that. Uh, if they uh, join you with the property mentors, uh, are you and your team able to assess uh, assist them in uh, properly assessing the risk versus reward? Yeah, I think one of the, the key things to that we do at Property Mentors is to not so much tell you whether it's a good investment or a bad investment, but teach you how to ask good questions. So whenever you're reviewing any investment, whether it's an apartment, house and land package, an old house that's you know renovated to light, or whether you're looking at an alternative investment strategy, it's about understanding the investment before you say yes or no. Uh, because if you say yes to something that you don't fully understand, what could go wrong? <laughs> like, 
a lot of a lot of things could go wrong. But at the same time, if you say no to an investment that you don't fully understand, then you could be saying no to something that could massively help you for your investing plan and strategy. So we would teach people understand the investment first, because then if you say yes or no, at least you've got all of the facts and figures in front of you and you're making an informed decision. I've said no to many more investments than I've said yes to, but at least going through the process of actually understanding and asking questions has actually taught me how to review the next one better because I've gone through the process so many times. And I think that's a key thing for investors. If you're planning on investing for the long term, and you should, uh, understand the process, go through and review many investment opportunities because by doing so, you're going to be able to ask questions around those and be better informed next time around. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, well, just to close off then, why would an investor want to pursue an alternative property strategy instead of just going out and buying one? Well, a lot of people just can't do that. A lot of people can't get finance. A lot of people are not looking for, well, not looking for a long-term commitment. Uh, they're looking for a more, more of a short-term type of thing. And uh, there's people that have just moved back from overseas, especially with COVID. They've come back to Australia, maybe haven't got the work history there, haven't got the savings. So they might have brought some money back with them, but not really sure where they're going to settle down yet. There's also self-employed people that can't get loans. There's also people that have come into an inheritance, for example, but don't want to go and buy property. So there's a range of different people out there. Um, that, that are looking for investment opportunities that understand property. They may not want to put it into other investments, um, but they may also not want to buy a property or, or even qualify for a loan. So whilst there are alternative strategies out there and they're available, it doesn't mean that they're going to suit everybody. However, as we said before, by understanding the investment, at least you can understand how and if it actually fits into your planning strategy. Yeah, beautifully said, mate. Well, I really want to thank you for opening our eyes to other property investment strategy alternatives, Luke. And uh, thanks again for sharing your generous time on the show today. Yeah, thanks for your time, Bruce. Okay, well, as I've always said, if you're going to be a successful property investor, securing the actual property is generally the last thing you do. Because if you're not clear on your strategy and where you're heading, then you'll never know if the property is actually the best mechanism to get you there. So if you want to develop the right investment strategy to suit your circumstances, Grab yourself a copy of Luke's new book, Property Fit, at propertyfitbook.com.au. That's more food for thought here on your trusted voice for all things property, Realty Talk. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. KnowHow has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Greetings and welcome. Now, commercial property has copped mixed and quite confusing reports in recent times with the demise of CBD office and retail grabbing the headlines, while industrial warehousing has gained in popularity due to better relative rental yields. So what does the future of commercial property look like? Well, to put some objective balance back into the commercial property discussion on what's likely to happen in 2022, we're joined by a successful investor and commercial buyer's agent, Scott O'Neill, the founder of Rethink Investing, a BRW Fast 100 property investing company 
specializing in finding rare, positively geared commercial properties right across the country. So welcome back to Realty Talk, Scott. Thanks for having me back again, Bushy. Always uh, like to uh, enjoy your insights into what's happening in the commercial world, mate. But uh, before we sort of dive into the year ahead, um, how do you feel that property performed against your predictions for 2021 and what, if anything, varied and, and why, as you see it? Well, 2021 was, look, it was all about growth for commercial property. So 2020 was more of a, I guess, a, a fear-driven fear market because obviously COVID hit the shores for the first time in, in March or, or uh, just before in 2020. So there was a bit of that feeling, what's going to happen next? Is the world over? Um, there's all these articles from, you know, your big banks saying 30% market crashes and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that, that proved to be almost the opposite exactly the opposite in many cases because some markets grew by 30%. So <laughs> um, commercial was no different. There was, um, it looked record prices, the, the low interest rate environment and, uh, and just people prioritizing investing over traveling or you know, putting their money back into their house was, was really the key thing. Saving habits grew. So people were saving a lot of money through the pandemic. Of course, some people lost their jobs and look, it's not an equally balanced market as you know, but uh, you know, those who were playing with property generally did very well. 2021 was just almost like the, like, you know, if anything, things sped up. There was um, a lot of confidence driven by Australia's handling of, um, you know, keeping large uh, quantities of the virus out. So there was, um, from an international viewpoint, we were viewed as quite a, a solid market. And um I know we've seen that on the coalface. We've had a lot of inquiries from the likes of Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, even even the US and places like Tokyo. There, there's a lot of foreign investors looking to invest in this country. And it's off the back of the stability that we've shown. And, um, you know, obviously houses and, and commercial property, they're still tied to land values. And uh, it's it's been a very strong market. So, and that's uh, even the worst case office market is seeing record square meter rates. So this uh, media headline of the demise of the office market is not eventuating in the prices, that's for sure. Yeah, really interesting. And that's uh, often the, a big disparity between the, the media headlines and the reality on the ground. But, um, well, that, that sort of sets us nicely to turn to this this year ahead. Uh, what, what's your overall view on how commercial properties likely to perform in 2022? So the theme that has started coming out is the talk of interest rate rises. And ever since I started investing in commercial property, there's always this cliff and it's a cliff created by, uh, it's mostly media or just people looking for a reason why the market will crash. So, you know, there was the interest only cliff. There was, uh, well, COVID was a cliff itself. There was, um, there's always a reason why the market's going to stop uh, very quickly. But um, the talk of interest rate rises are on the cards and we've seen fixed rates increase. But on the coalface, it's not slowing demand up. Now, the reason uh, it may slow up from the, the I guess, the, the ridiculous growth we've seen, and this could flow into more of a residential comment, it, there's more supply coming on. So more people are looking to capitalise on these high prices because if you bought a house and it's doubled in value in the last five years, and it's not the perfect house for you, it's a pretty good time to sell. So yeah. now that borders are open, um, there's, there's, I guess there's a, not a lot of reason not to sell if that was on the cards. You're going to get a good price. So supply might slow things down, but the demand is still there. The demand is, is, is all like it's as strong as it's ever been. It's just there's more selection. 
Now, this is where it gets interesting for commercial. The supply isn't increasing. We're seeing stock levels so tight. It's actually, um, it's to the point where it makes my life very hard. Like we're a commercial buyer's agent trying to find properties and, you know, we're, we're fighting over a very small pool of properties. So we really want more stock. So there's more selection. So until stock just jumps through the roof, um, you're going to see growth continue. You're going to see yields compress further. Yep. Um, and the reason there's not much supply coming onto the market is why would an owner want to sell a high yielding investment in this economy? There's nowhere to go. Like we are, commercial is the highest yielding asset, safe asset at least, available. So if you're not in commercial property, you're in something else, which is probably more uh, of a speculation type asset. And when you're dealing with millions of dollars, people generally don't go that angle. So the theme is uh, even if interest rates pop up slightly, it's, I think it'll be slow and gradual and expected. Sophisticated investors will plan for these events. And if you're uh, getting a 6 or 7% net yield on an asset and your interest rate's currently 2.5 and it jumps to 3 or 3.5, you're still really positively geared on that investment. So it's not going to change your life. So that's a uh, yeah, recipe for growth, I think. And um, yeah, unless stock pops up, we'll, uh, it'll be sort of more of the same. Yeah, it sounds, uh, sounds interesting. Yeah, so you've mentioned a couple of these already. What, what are some of the other key drivers that we should watch out for that are likely to influence commercial properties direction in the year ahead? So, yeah, like I said, so supply, um, investor demand will, I think, is going to increase from overseas places as uh, borders open. I know. Again, I'll, I'll probably use Singapore as an example. I've seen a major influx of investors coming from there and there's not many restrictions uh, to invest in Australian real estate. So uh, FIRB approvals are almost just a given with commercial because it's not a sensitive asset like a house would be. Yep. Uh, sure, if you go buy a marine port or something like that, there might be some extra regulations on who gets, who's allowed to buy things. But uh, you're going to see more foreign mar- money enter the market that will uh, you know, over a, a, a small supply of properties that could cause extra growth. Um, there's the flight towards yield. So we're seeing this is probably, I think, the number one theme for a business like myself. We're seeing more residential investors now go, All right, well, I've seen the growth in that residential market. It's now squeezed the yield so tight. It doesn't make sense from a numbers point of view to go down that angle. And I'm generalizing. Remember, there's always markets where there's better yields than others. But um, yeah, it is it is tight, and that's pushing people to think about cash flow more. So you're going to see more non-traditional commercial investors become commercial investors. So that's um, that's going to be a theme. So that's why I think that there's a lot of upside. Where are the risks in the economy? If there is huge inflation, there'll be more pressure on the RBA to raise interest rates quicker. So obviously that will create a sentiment um, downward pressure. So even though there's a lot of people looking, if you lose 30% of that volume, that'll obviously slow things down. Um, It might give people more reason to sell as well. If interest rates go up, you might see supply just tick up 10%. All these ratios will change around depending on what happens. And and that's an unknown, but um, I'm, like I said to you, I I don't predict any any drastic changes because uh, it's going to really hurt the likes of a residential market or the share market more than commercial, um, particularly the residential because there's higher debt percentage ratios. So obviously there's fluctuations in interest rates over a lower yielding asset. That's going to hurt um, that side more. So yeah, I, I think it's going to 
be a, a really interesting year, but probably, um, yeah, they're the main growth drivers I see. There's really, there's no big immediate technology, tech, uh, tech changes out there that's going to just change certain asset class. I think office will rebound. Uh, I think uh, retail is already rebounding. So retail is one of those ones that got, I think, tarnished a lot in the media saying, you know, re- retail's dead. Everyone could buy things online. Uh, shops are going to have a bounce back because foot traffic's back out. There's there's a pent-up demand for, to people to spend at shops. Like, I think you'll see some uh, record numbers come out of retail sales uh, over, the, over this Christmas period. So that's going to create a flow-on effect into the general economy, which... Um, we know we've been saving well, so more money will be flowing through to the market and, and that will be good for commercial property. Yeah, okay. So beyond the, the office and the retail component, what other important sectors should we be watching out for in the commercial space in 2022, Scott? So industrial is obviously the one that's done probably the best. Like we've seen growth rates of uh, up to 20% per annum in some markets for the last two years. So you know, there's some Western Sydney markets and some parts of Brisbane that have grown over 50% in the last two years. It, it's just in wow. ridiculous numbers. And um, I think that's got to, at some point, slow down because it's going to reach a point where the yield doesn't make sense versus retail. So if you're going into a, a suburb and the equivalent yield for an equal, equally good quality tenant for retail is 6%, but industrial is 5%, as a smart investor, you're going to look at the 6% as a better dollar-for-dollar dollar deal. Maybe office in that market 7%. Yep. If you're going to buy an, an industrial asset at a 3% lower yield, um, you're going to see more value in the office. So this is where the numbers will balance out. And I think industrial, because it is so white hot at the moment, there's going to be a bit of a balancing out. And that might slow down uh, in the markets where the yields have got too tight. And because uh, investors just simply won't keep pushing the yields down. And um, the likes of Sydney or Melbourne, where the yields can be as low as 3%, for a decent asset, like you can't squeeze that much further. Like it doesn't make sense as an investor to, to buy things that are 2% if, if you care about returns at least. So yeah. Um, yeah, there'll be a lot of the balancing between the asset classes, but that's why I think the two, um, uh, you know, those assets of office and, and retail probably are, are going to do well. And, um, and yeah, obviously on top of that, you've got specialty assets like your child cares and service stations and that. Um, they're more of your like your auction style assets, and they're already going at record prices. So that you know, it's how hard do they keep going? That's really that'll probably more more of a cash rate driven type demand. Yeah, interesting. Are there, are there any wild card or surprising elements that you believe may have a uh, a lasting impact on property this year? I think the interest rate talk will be underwhelming. Um, I, I could be wrong. It could be at the end of 2022 and the interest rates have gone up. But like I, that's why I mentioned there's always this cliff. I really feel like it's, people are trying to use this excuse to talk the market down. And, and the, like, this market needs an interest rate increase, to be honest. Like, there's a bit of silliness in this market where people are just buying anything they can whenever they can. Uh, a little bit of an interest rate talk or an actual increase will be good just to knock some of that stupid out of the market. And then we're back into more would be a trend level, but still growing markets. And um, I, I can't imagine there's going to be falls in prices anywhere unless the market's gone too hard, too quick for the last two years. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I tend to uh, lean on your side of the table as far as the, uh, I, the, the lot of signalling of the interest rate rise. I, I think it would be a fairly brave RBA to lift the cash rate. 
uh, APRA is already playing with macroprudential measures that are, are starting to sort of dampen demand anyway. So, uh, but I think, you know, it's the old story. The press makes a big noise. It, it'll have the effect that, it, that they're trying to achieve without actually having to take the action. So, uh, not very interesting, mate. Well, I uh, always uh, like to um, enjoy your insightful, insightful projections, Scott, and uh, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Scott. Well, it's clear that there's still plenty of opportunity in the commercial property arena if you know how and where to look. So, if that's something that grabs your appetite, reach out to Scott and the Rethinking Investing team to investigate your options further. You're watching your go-to place for all things property here on Realty Talk. Well, that's a wrap for this week's show. A big thanks to our special guests, Arjun Paliwell, Katie Richards, Luke Harris, and Scott O'Neill. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Australia's longest running and most popular online property show, subscribe to Realty Talk now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever, wherever you watch and listen. And make sure you sign up on the realty.com.au homepage to get every episode in your inbox every week. And while you're there, make sure you check out one of Australia's most extensive range of properties for sale from over 7,000 agents nationally. Thanks again to realty.com.au and BMT Tax Depreciation for their ongoing support. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au where we connect buyers, sellers and agents differently. 